This episode of the Weekly Standard Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings the world's greatest professors to your fingertips with more than 500 courses on science, history, philosophy, fine arts, better living, and more. The Great Courses are available on digital download and streaming or DVD and CD. Best of all, you can listen to or watch The Great Courses at your own pace without the pressure of homework or exams. And now, for a limited time only... The Great Courses is giving our listeners an offer of up to 80% off the original price of selected courses, including the decisive battles of world history. For this limited time 80% offer, go to thegreatcourses.com slash WS to find out more. That's thegreatcourses.com slash WS. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us to help us topple the 1% is Daniel Halper, author of the book Clinton, Inc. And Daniel, I just got to ask, when Mrs. Bill Clinton says a comment like, we need to topple the 1%, she's got to be laughing on the inside, right? I think there's such a cognitive dissonance that she doesn't even realize that she's talking about herself. I, I kind of think that she doesn't understand the irony in the, her own statement that Toppling the 1% would include bringing down her own financial well-being, which, of course, uh, no Clinton really wants to do. The lead story of the day, we're going to get to in just a second, is the conversation about Clinton Cash, another book about Clinton. But I, I really am fascinated because you've written about them. I, I can't believe that she doesn't see the, well, forget it within herself, she's got to see it in the media, the mockery of this notion that she's struggling for the everyman and that that evil, if only she could find that evil 1% there in Westchester County, New York, maybe she could bring us some social justice. It's it's a bizarre message. I mean, it's clearly derived strictly via polling, right? It's not like this long-held belief that she has long fought for this and that it, she she's continuing on this dream that she's had for her decades in public service. No, it's clearly derived through uh, public polling, trying to get a sense of the liberal perspective and trying to position yourself in that manner. You know, everybody always talks, weirdly enough, about, well, we don't know really what Hillary's going to say about this or what her position is on this. The truth is we should know all of Hillary's positions because not really that much has changed in the last eight years. I mean, the particulars have changes have changed obviously, but one's general political principles shouldn't have really changed. Uh, but not with Hillary Clinton. With Hillary Clinton, we're all curious to know where she stands because every position she's taken so far, except her ability to take K Street cash, has she's she's flip flopped on everything on immigration, on um, I think on trade that's coming up soon, right? Uh, certainly on gay marriage. She's flip-flopped on everything, and nobody seems to have batted an eye because that's just who the Clintons are. They govern via the polls. On the one hand, maybe that's not so bad. Maybe she wouldn't be, uh, you know, maybe that's not the return of a Barack Obama presidency. On the other hand, um, it doesn't exactly exude leadership, and, um, you know, many people do think that the presidency requires a certain amount of uh, leadership. You know, it's just more right-wing attacks, Daniel. Don't you know that? She's so poor, she has to delete her own email and wipe out her own server. I mean, come on. She can't even bring in the help to do that. Yeah, exactly. The, the right-wing, it's this vast right-wing conspiracy, right? And they've, they've long dogged her and they're out to get her. Um, that, that is what it is. Look, many people do obviously want, want to get her and want to bring her down and don't think that she would be a very good president. Um 
that's for sure. But it also doesn't mean that what they're saying isn't true. And I think that's a important distinction that maybe critics who don't like Hillary, maybe sometimes they actually have a point. And the Clintons, you see this with this upcoming book, uh, Clinton Cash, the Clintons, and I, frankly, you saw it with my book as well. The Clintons just don't have any appetite for anybody who's willing to suggest that maybe what they're doing is not always on the up and up. What's interesting to me is we don't know yet about the specific evidence that the author is going to bring forward, Peter Schweitzer, about uh, the Clintons' uh, speeches that, that former President Bill Clinton made, huge checks, half a million dollar checks from uh, foreign governments while she was Secretary of State. I believe, if I remember correctly, 11 of the 13 half million dollar checks he received he received while she was Secretary of State. And I just got to wonder, is it... <sighs> Are they have they concluded that everyone knows that they're crooks and has already factored that in that they know that they're the kind of people? Of course, we rented up the Lincoln bedroom. Of course, we sold the Secretary of State's office, and they don't care. Or do you think they're going to actually try to mount a defense that it was completely reasonable to collect millions of dollars from foreign governments while you're Secretary of State and to advocate changes in policy while you're Secretary of State? And what's the big? This is good governance. Are they going to really try to make the argument that Hillary has done the right thing? The Clintons are not going to try to argue that 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 this book has substance or this book is correct or that the author might have a point or they're not going to show any contrition. What the Clintons are going to do is what, frankly, they're already doing, which is to go after the author and say that he's a right-wing hack, one that shouldn't be taken seriously, and, that, and to try to personally discredit the book and the author who created this book. And, and that's what they did for my book. I think that's what they're doing for this book here. Interestingly, uh, you haven't read the book. I understand that I haven't read the book. A lot of people haven't read the book because, well, it hasn't been published yet. Um, but what, who has read the book, I saw the first detailed piece on the book, aside from a New York Times piece, which kind of laid out some of the, um, you know, some of the, some of the, it sort of with a very broad brush, brush sort of painted some of the outlines of the book, uh, is Think Progress. Uh, thinkprogress.org. It's the blog, essentially, for the Center for American Progress, which was run up until recently by a man named John Podesta. He happens to have been Bill Clinton's chief of staff during the when he was in the White House, and he's the chairman of Hillary Clinton's campaign. They claim that they have the book, and they have written this, a long piece uh, saying that the book is doesn't live up to expectations, and that and that the author is a right wing. Hack essentially, and so how did they get this book? Well, they don't really explain, but uh, it does make you wonder that that who that there's some and a concerted effort to discredit the book and to make sure that when the book does is released on May fifth, that it will be considered old news, not worthy of re-reporting by the media, because uh, you know the news should only really write about news stories and it will no longer be one. Okay, so Daniel, I want to finish the podcast without using the word book again because what's interesting to me is that there's a, a, a significant amount of information from the Wall Street Journal and other sources that makes it clear that the and the Clintons haven't denied it. They took foreign money for the foundation while the, she was Secretary of State. Uh, that the uh, Clinton Global Initiative is going to continue to take money from terror-sponsoring nations, etc. during the course of this presidential can, uh, campaign. Who knows? Maybe if Mrs. Bill Clinton is returned to the White House, they're going to keep taking foreign cash. Why is isn't that in and of itself the kind of massive holy crap news story that journalists love and why aren't they immediately going after the not the allegation of a conflict of interest but the direct evidence of a conflict of interest 
Well, some are, in fairness to them, and which is why we know about it. Uh, but a lot of them aren't, and a lot of them, truthfully, would like to ask Hillary Clinton about it, but she hasn't stuck her head out there for a single interview since announcing her run for president of the United States over a week and a half ago. I, I think, honestly, I think it's unprecedented for a presidential candidate to announce that she's running for president of the United States, as Hillary Clinton did via video a week and a half ago, and then to disappear for two days. In fact, we didn't even see her during the announcement because it was via video. And it is astonishing, and it is, um, I just think, frankly, totally bizarre that we don't see Hillary Clinton. She isn't taking a public persona. She won't answer questions. And the media, I think, uh, is largely giving her a free pass, Weird, which is kind of weird, and I don't really get. My sense is they're doing it because they don't want to get kicked off the campaign bus. Now, there isn't yet a campaign bus, but they want to make sure that they have a seat on it. And, you know, the New York Times or the Washington Post, they have reporters who are dedicated to covering the Hillary Clinton beat. And if those reporters annoy the Clinton campaign, well, their access will be cut off. And that's their livelihood. That's their job. And that's what's at stake here for them personally. And I think that's why we're not getting hard questions yet. Uh, but I do hope, obviously, that that changes dramatically. And look, at Hillary Clinton... I assume you'd love to have her on, on this podcast. I'd love to listen to it. And if she wants to come down, come to the Weekly Standard or sit down at the, where I travel to her, really, uh, if she wanted, we'd be glad to interview her. But they don't want any interviews and certainly not ones that they think might be somewhat critical. As someone who spent months researching, putting together uh, an ukbay, we're not using that word anymore, uh, about her, the Clintons in the past, what parts of the allegations of money in the door for changing policy, the allegations of speech money going to Mr. Clinton while Mrs. Clinton is Secretary of State resonate with you. What are the facts from the past and from the new stories that you would urge us to kind of keep our eyes on as the uh, team Clinton tries to, like you said, kind of bury the story before it's born as old news? What fact, what actual facts should we keep an eye on? Well, I think we should look at the dollars, where they went, and look at Hillary Clinton's uh, positions. Are, is there a correl- I, I think we're, we'll have a trouble, I think, um, proving causation, but I think we can look for correlation and then begin to ask questions from there. We can look to see, did money go from, uh, say, one foreign government into the hands or the pockets of either Bill Clinton or Hillary Clinton uh, him or herself or the Clinton Foundation, and then did anything change uh, as a result of that money going in? I think that's, that's sort of the key here because it, it will be hard to prove, uh, and perhaps he's done it, I mean, and, and I hope he has. It'd be, it'd be a fascinating story and great reporting, but it will be hard to prove uh, causation, and so I, I think for now we should look definitely at for correlation, which should open more avenues for questioning. Well, then let me uh, re-ask the question this way. What resonates with you as, oh, that sounds exactly like the Clinton Inc. I covered in the past? Well, it all sounds exactly like, right? I mean, as you said, <laughs> they have been renting out the Lincoln bedroom for a while. This is not... The, the funny thing about this whole brouhaha and this whole uh, new focus is that it, while it's great, and I, I think it's definitely a, a line worth pursuing, is that it's not new in, in the sense that we have they, the Clintons have been dogged by financial allegations of this nature their entire political career. 
I also think, therefore, that talk about this ending the Clinton campaign or it has them in fits in, in that sense, I think that tends to be overwrought, too, because the Clintons, while they do take this stuff personally and they do look into it carefully and they, they do fight back, uh, you know, tenaciously, uh, I think they are ultimately able to overcome a lot and more so than any politician um, really in history, which is remarkable in itself. Yeah, I remember when the news first broke that we found out for a fact, beyond dispute, that the sitting president of the United States had been hooking up with an intern in the Oval Office. And I said, he has to, his presidency is over. And I was right in the sense that he was unable to do anything as president after the Monica Lewinsky scandal. In other words, he was still in the office, but he, you know, Bill Clinton could not have declared a war. He couldn't have pushed a major tax. I mean, he was, his presidency was done other than him clinging to the chair. Um, and so I think it's absolutely possible for her to move forward. My question to Daniels, I get two arguments. One argument is it's because the American people really don't care. That they just don't care that for whatever reason they and you know how it is there was always the kid in high school that could you know cheat on his tests and not show up and skip practice for for football and he still was the hero there's there's that but then so it's the that's the question is it the american people that are the problem and then other people say, then I have other people say to me no michael it's not fair to the voters to judge them this way they've never had a politician who had the press so willing to cover for them, to block news, to not just do your normal, here's what we found out, here's what the paperwork says job, then therefore if the media won't cover a political story the way that people are used to it being covered, people don't ever really get it and therefore they don't act on it. Which, who do you put the blame on for the ability of the Clintons to demonstrably either break the law or flaunt the rules and get away with it, the press or the people? Well, I, I do think the Clintons have changed the rules, right? I mean, I think, and this is you know, why I wrote my book, right? I think the Clintons have ultimately shifted the way politics is done to where, where things that were unacceptable before are now somewhat acceptable. I mean, you can look into a camera and you, you can say, I did not have sexual relations with that woman. And people don't really bat an eye, even though you're so clearly, so blatantly lying. Right. And that's, I think, a result of the Clintons. I think going back, you know, to, to well, if his presidency is over, why does he stay in the, in the White House? You know, I think it's a lack of shame. Right. And it's this ability to to want to come back. There's all these comparisons these days, I think, and some correctly between Hillary Clinton and, and Richard Nixon. Um, the difference, the huge difference between Nixon and the Clintons is that when Nixon was disgraced, he put his head down and he, and he exited the stage, uh, basically to never be heard from again. The Clintons aren't like that at all. When they're disgraced, they keep their heads up and they fight. They fight to win it. And I think that's very new and we haven't seen that before. And I think, I think that's what we're seeing here. But would you be able to wage such a fight in the face of the facts? For example, it's beyond dispute now that there was money flowing into the Clinton Foundation from countries who had interest in U.S. foreign policy while uh, Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State. Would you be able to even fight that fight if the media weren't complicit in underplaying it and simply not covering it the way they would right now if, for example, news came in that a Republican office holder had been taking money for his foundation in, you know, the, the, the attorney general of a state or a governor. Is, is there any way you could do this without this bizarre treatment that they get from the press? Well, that's, I mean, I, I, it's, you're asking me to prove sort of a counterfactual. We don't, we don't know in, in a certain way because we haven't 
really seen the exact parallel. Um, but I think if you were to look at Chris Christie on a much smaller scale in a way, because the scandal was a lot smaller, this bridge scandal, he was not able to weather it. Uh, and it really has hurt his political ambitions in a way that that the Clintons haven't had to deal with. And a lot of that, you're right, is is the press and how they pursued, pursued, pursued it. It led cable news all along the way. It's also, I think, um, the way Christie acted. I mean, Christie was contrite. He did sort of put his head down. He was worried about it. He did try to answer all the questions. I think the Clintons, if you're looking at that and you say, eh, we're not going to do that. We're not going to go out there and have an hour and a half long press conference. And the press, you know, they deal with it. What are they going to do? Spend two weeks, spend a month talking about how the Clintons won't talk to them? They can't do that. I mean, nobody would read the articles. Nobody would tune in the cable news. You got to you got to move on eventually. And I think the Clintons understand the way the press works in that regard, and therefore they're able to work it a lot better uh, than a lot of other people. So that brings us to the last question: What should uh, Republican candidates for president? What should the Republican Party do about this? You know, quandary, this kind of quicksand of Clinton scandal. Should they uh, can keep you know keep shoveling it in, saying eventually the you know the weight of all of these scandals accumulated will leave just people with a distaste for the Clinton machine, or should they you know tell Schweitzer to shut up, don't say anything about this again until next October? And then you know, f- try to fresh it, you know, freshly bring it all up to voters who really haven't heard anything about it, and say, "Oh my gosh, do you realize who you're about to elect?" The truth is, is that Republicans don't know what to do because they've never beaten a Clinton <laughs> on the national stage, right? They didn't get a chance to beat Hillary Clinton the last time. The Democrats beat her. They've never beat Bill Clinton in his, in his two presidential elections. They they don't really know. They haven't. You know, they didn't win the last two presidential elections. Republicans in national politics, I, I, you know, they don't really know the best avenue for pursuit here. I, I mean, I, I, I don't really know myself. I'm not a strategist. It's not what I do. I, I would, I, it, makes, it would make sense to me to just report on everything that you have and continue to look for more information and, you know, let the chips fall where they may. You, you know, there's a common refrain on all, on all these stories. Oh, you know, voters, they won't decide on this. Really? I mean, you don't know what voters are going to decide on. And, you and you know, it, it, that's not reason to cover it. That's not reason to look into it just because voters will decide on this for their whether they vote or they won't. We cover it because it's news and, you know, you see where things fall. I think if you get sort of too caught up and, and you, you get a little too cutesy, uh, I think that, that runs a larger, much larger risk than if you just – you know, you tell the story as you see it based on the best information that you have. Daniel Halper, thanks so much for joining us to talk about the latest with Hillary Clinton. And I'm sure that you and I will be talking about the same t- subject on another scandal in the future. I'm sure we will. <laughs> thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.